Before he died, your father asked me to give you this poem by Tecumseh. I told him I'd fold it into a paper airplane. And in a way, I guess that's what I'm doing. Selling it from him to you. Live your life that the fear of death can never enter your heart. Trouble no one about his religion. Respect others and their views and demand that they respect yours. Love your life. Perfect your life. Beautify all things in your life. Seek to make your life long and of service to your people. When your time comes to die, be not like those whose hearts are filled with fear of death, so that when their time comes they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Sing your death song and die like a hero going home. But all I saw was smoking fire I didn't feel a thing But suddenly I was rising higher And I felt like I just made The biggest mistake When I thought about my unborn child When I thought about my wife And the answer rang out clear From somewhere up above No greater gift is man everybody and happy memorial day everybody this is ed hoffman and welcome to the main event we opened up with that clip from a movie called act of valor and uh that song also from uh from keith urban which is uh the theme song from act of valor in honor of uh, memorial day and i say to all of you uh who have served in the armed forces and in uh protection and in uh support of our country uh thank you for your service and uh we honor your service and uh god bless america and uh, you and your families um i'm gonna leave it at that i'm gonna leave it at that because uh i don't want to i don't want to lose my composure on the on the radio and get too emotional and uh, have uh have my radio audience find out that i'm human and that i have a heart because uh um, I get that way sometimes, although, uh, I try not to let anybody find out about it. So anyway, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in this, co- in this country and we're going to talk about, I was, I was thinking about, do I, do I use a Memorial, Memorial Day theme on this or do I do something kind of, uh, talking about what's going on? I was thinking, you know, what's going on in this country is kind of a, uh, I was thinking of a, the sting or the uh, or the uh, maybe an Ocean's Eleven kind of a theme because of what I think the Democrats are pulling off on trying to pull a razzle dazzle on the uh, on the American people as to what's going on. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, branch manager at Summit Funding here in Moreno Valley, lending all over the place. Let's see right now, Summit Funding's uh, licensed in like forty states. I uh, right now are in uh, active, actively, actively uh, licensed in uh, California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and Arkansas. 
and uh, I'm pending in Nevada and Ohio and Idaho. And uh, so if you need to, if you're uh, interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing in any of those states, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, get in touch with me, but you don't want to just call direct and talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding uh, logo, and uh, it'll take you uh, to uh, my uh, contact page and it'll give you, uh, you can uh, put in as much information as you want to give me. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, Randy Johnson, or Brian Goodman. And we will help you find the missing piece of the puzzle, missing piece of the your real estate financing puzzle. I'm getting all tongue-tied because I learned to do this uh Change my change my intro around a little bit. So uh, so if you want it, so again, edhoffman.net, click on Summit Funding uh, logo, put in the information, and you'll get the info and tell us how you want to tell us what you want to hear back. If you uh, if you want to hear any part of the the show repeated, you hear something you want repeated, um, you can get the podcast also on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. Uh, you can hear this show as well as several past shows. Or, and you can also get the podcast uh, on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes where you can actually subscribe for free, have it download to your, your, your phone, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on, and you can uh, download it uh, and have it uh, and listen to it on demand anytime you want. Follow us, follow the show on uh, social media, uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman, or follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where I tweet about current events all week long. And uh, if you have uh, comments on the show, you can uh, call the listener hotline, 855-640-2092. Everybody's got an opinion. I think everyone's entitled to mine. I'd like to hear yours if you've got one, 855-640-2092. So uh, as, uh, as often I do... And I haven't. It's been how long's it been since you've been here, Scotty? It's been a little while. Ed. I know you've been uh, you've been traveling. So uh, I have my uh, my sidekick, Mr. Scott McPhee, proprietor of Scott's Bikes. Scott, welcome back. It's Don's bike, Ed, but that's okay. We got the point. I know. <laughs> I, I do that occasionally. Ed, it's I, great to be I'm back like, in the house. Hey, so it should be Scott's Bikes because it's Scott's Scott's Bike Shop. But right. it, well, my dad started it 60 years ago. Believe it or not, we just celebrated our 60th anniversary. Congratulations. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Not everybody can say that, huh? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can't say that. I'm not 60 years old, but yeah. neither are you. Yeah, no. But your bike shop is. Yep. I know, and it's uh, it's one of the top 100 bike shops in the country. It is. We had our best year ever last year. Even in the days, even in the age of Amazon, Ed, there's still a a uh, if you will a, a desire for good old fashioned customer service. Because you're because uh, you're you're improvising, you're adapting, you're yes. overcoming. Yes, we are. Kind of what I did. Yeah. All right. So you have a you have a event to talk. I about. did want to talk about that because I think that conservatives are kind of labeled with this rap that we're not funny, and the left has gotten completely terribly unfunny. If you've watched late night comedy, so I thought you know it'd be cool to have our own event. So we are having our own. It's called Make America Laugh Again event. It's stand up comedy night. It's going to be Saturday, July sixth at the Sycamore Inn. It's an iconic restaurant that's been around forever so saturday july the 6th we've got a handful of some really funny conservative stand-up comedians you can go register for it at make america laugh again event.com that's make america laugh again event.com to get tickets uh it's gonna sell out it's a fairly small venue so if you want to laugh and you're sick and tired of all of the liberal leftist unfunny comedy out there uh then please join us it's gonna be a lot of fun 
And uh, Don and I will be there as well. Excellent. Look forward right. to seeing it. It's going to be good. Not, not Don of Don's Bike Shop. But yes. Don of Ed and Don. Right. All right. So, hey, so let's talk about the all the all the ridiculous stuff that's going on, on uh, in this country because that's what we do. So, uh, uh, so no, Chuck and Nancy are striking again by arranging a meeting under false pretenses. Democrat, Democrat leaders Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer ambushed the president on a Wednesday. It went like this. Tuesday evening, they hastily scheduled a White House meeting with uh, Trump claiming that the meeting agenda was their 35-page infrastructure plan. I wonder if uh, if this is something new or if they just used it. It's kind of like I used to tell my guys, hey, go into real estate offices and bring a, and have some flyers. What should the flyers say? I don't care what it says. Your name and a phone number, it's only just a prop to get in there to talk to realtors. So they have this uh, this prop to go in to talk to, uh, talk to Trump about infrastructure. It's probably the same plan they've been talking about since the Obama time. But when the president walked in, that that's not what happened at all. Reportedly, they were throwing around the idea of impeachment, which is when Trump calmly walked out. Here's how uh, Nancy characterized the meeting. It was a very positive meeting, a, a respectful sharing of ideas. Would you believe that it's important for the, to follow the facts? Uh, we believe that no one is above the law, including the president of the United States. And we believe that the president of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. In a cover-up, and that was the nature. I believe the Democrats are involved in a cover-up. I believe, I believe, with uh, Attorney General Bill Barr going after putting an investigation on what was the root of the Mueller investigation, the the Democrats are trying to say, "Hey, we're in trouble now. We need to keep the headlines." pointed in a different direction well yeah i know i think we've seen many many examples of people that accuse people of things when they're the ones themselves that have the problem and i'd also like her to explain a cover-up of what uh, what exactly has been covered up she didn't really explain that i know it's been two and a half years that, he, that trump's been in office and that's all they've talked about since he's been in you know and and i and i look at it and say trump's been trying to deal with the the issue at the border he's been he's dealing with the economy he's dealing with with uh, national security he's dealing with north korea he's dealing with iran he's dealing with israel he's dealing with uh, palestine he's dealing with the 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 embassy he's dealing with the embassy in in uh moving uh, the 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 uh the american embassy from tel aviv to to uh to Jerusalem. He's dealing with he's dealing with the NAFTA and rewriting that. He's dealing with the with the two new uh Supreme Court justices. He's dealing with everything. And all they want to do is talk about Trump and the Russia and all this stuff. You know what? I hope the rest of the country sees through this stuff. I hope the rest of the country is conscious of what's going on. And I see and I see today that today being Friday as uh, Theresa May, the Prime Minister of England, steps down, and I say, "Hey, you know, Theresa May is in the same situation that Trump is. Uh, the people said we want out of the European Union, and I was for. I I thought we were rooting for her opponent. I don't even remember the guy's name, but uh, Theresa May got elected to lead that Brexit, and Parliament is fighting her all the way, and she finally just said, "I give up, and I'm resigning." And uh, and I see Trump is dealing with the same thing. When he had the Congress, even the Republicans wouldn't really back him up because we have a the Republicans just on some of them on principle just wouldn't back him up. We had the we had the had the uh majority in the House and the Senate. And some of them would just were had that word they were a little butthurt over the fact that he uh insulted a few of them and 
they just wouldn't back him up and we couldn't take advantage of that of that uh majority and happily Trump's not going to quit and it's 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 the same situation it's just not getting the just not getting the support but the people are the ones that want America changed, and he's he's doing he's doing his damnedest to make that happen. No, for sure. It's funny, interesting that I have a uh, a libtard friend, and this guy loves to call me. And you know, he's been talking about Russia for like the last two years. He called me recently, and now he's going off on the Trump tax returns. We can't wait to get those returns. First of all, I, I had to stop and say, well, so we're done with talking about Russia because that was a big joke. You know, that went nowhere. And then I asked him the question, what are you hoping to learn? from Trump's tax returns. I'm like, what, what, what's your fantasy that you're going to find in there that's going to get this guy removed from office? And there really wasn't a good answer to that question because if it's not this, it's that or something else. So, so there was no Russian collusion, but there was some kind of obstruction into a crime that never happened. It goes on and on and on. But you're right, it's deflection. It's taking away from the fact that now the tables are turning and now Trump, what he needs to do, and I think he's doing it, is to go off of defense and onto offense because that's the only thing these people are going to respect. Exactly, and I think and I think he was just waiting for Mueller's report to come out. Okay, now I, I stayed out of the way. Now, now it's clear to go. Now it's clear to go on offense. And I will tell you, as a lender, as a guy who looks at tax returns, I've been in the lending business for thirty years, and I look at tax returns for for a living. Not the same way a CPA does, but as 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 we look at them, how we underwrite underwrite somebody's income. I will tell you that you could look at at Trump's tax. I look at at the average person's tax returns. I know 10, 15 pages, and we look at about four of them, and. You get someone who's got multiple properties or corporations, and they're you know four inches thick. I mean, my, I have I have uh, ten properties. I have uh, ten single family residences, and I have uh, and I have uh, 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 two commercial co- property. two, two commercial properties okay. and a couple of corporations. And my tax returns are about half inch thick. I would bet Trump's tax returns are probably and I and I've seen some commercial uh, deals that we've done that are like 4 inches thick and I would bet you Trump's tax returns are probably 4 feet thick. <laughs> and I will tell you that I have I have seen loan officers, I would say out of 50 loan officers there's four of them that know how to read them without having to go to an underwriter to read them. I will guarantee you out of 350 million people in Cal- in in the country 90 per, 99% of everybody won't know what they're looking at with the tax returns. And out of 535 people in the Congress and Senate, 534 of them won't understand them. So what do they want the tax returns for? They're not going to learn anything. Wow, this guy makes a lot of money. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. So anyway, let's get back Let's get back to this, uh, this meeting. Here's a uh, president uh, discuss this meeting in the Rose Garden later on Wednesday. So I came here to do a meeting on infrastructure with Democrats, not really thinking they wanted to do infrastructure or anything else other than investigate. And I just saw that Nancy Pelosi, just before our meeting, made a statement that we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Well, it turns out I'm the most — and I think most of you would agree to this — I'm the most transparent President probably in the history of this country. I would agree with that. Well, if nothing else, he certainly tells it like it is. And he tells it like, you know, like you want to hear it. Like, what, what exactly is going on? And he'll, he will tell it like it is. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he and the, I don't think he is, is um, privy to the political 
to the political games. So I mean, he's smart enough. He's smart enough to know some things. Some things you don't say, and you do say. I don't. I'm not going to say he's he's not smart enough to know that stuff because he is because he's a businessman and all that stuff. But I don't think he's smart enough to understand the the. I would call it latticing if I if if I was talking to lawyers, but the way the inner workings and the intertwining of all the different departments and how to and how to cover cover up things in the political in the political maze. Well, he doesn't talk like a politician, that's for sure. Yeah, he doesn't. He I don't think he's I don't think he has enough allies in the political system to get away with that, and I don't think the Republicans are 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 deviant enough to get away with it. And uh, to get away with it, the the Democrats are white collar criminals. I mean they they can they can lie to your face, and they don't even they don't even have conscience conscious consciences. They don't even have they don't even have a guilty conscience conscience. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm having a problem uh, pronouncing things today. The president elaborated on the meeting and the ridiculous ridiculousness of <laughs> continuing <laughs> to rehash the the findings of the Mueller report. All of a sudden, I hear last night they're going to have a meeting right before this meeting to talk about the I word, the I word. Instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk in to look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover up. I don't do cover ups. I told Senator Schumer, Speaker Pelosi, I want to do infrastructure. But you know what? You can't do it under these circumstances. So get these phony investigations over with. We've had a House investigation. We have Senate investigations. We have investigations like nobody's ever had before, and there's nothing, we did nothing wrong. They would have loved to have said we colluded. They would have loved it. These people were out to get us. The Republican Party, and President Trump. They were out to get us. This was a one-sided horrible thing. Yeah, I think uh I think I think we're we're kind of uh we're kind of getting it's kind of getting old. It's kind of getting old, but now that Barr is going after the roots, I don't think they don't have any choice but to to divert the attention. Trump also scolded the press on their failure to report the truth about Donnie Jr.'s uh, phone calls the day of the Trump Tower meeting with Russian lawyer during the election. Remember, the press speculated he was calling his father to brief him on the meeting, which would supposedly prove collusion, but that's not what happened at all. You heard so much talk about phone calls that my son made to me from this meeting that was set up by GPS fusion, it looks like, which is the other side, for those that don't know. And for a year, I heard about phone calls went to a special number, unauthorized. And it would have been my son, Don, who's a good young man, who's gone through hell. And they were calls that must have been made by him before and after the meeting. Three calls. After massive study, at work, they actually found who made the calls. One was a friend of ours, a real estate developer. Great guy, most of you know him. Nice guy, loves our country. And the other one was uh, the head of NASCAR, two of them. So of the three calls that were so horrible that he had a meeting and he called me and then he had the meeting after, and he made two more calls. And they were written about like this little Little lines, couple of lines. Nobody wanted to admit it. 
So the real estate developer he's talking about is Howard Lorber. Uh, I've never heard of him, uh, but apparently he's a well-known person and a Trump friend. And and the uh, the other guy is the the CEO of NASCAR. I'm not a NASCAR guy. Maybe some of you guys are. That's Brian France. Um, NASCAR is another sport that I just don't follow. Um, meanwhile, Schumer, uh, Chucky Schumer, continued to pretend they were actually planning to talk about infrastructure, and that the press president walked out of the meeting was a publicity stunt. What happened in the White House would make your jaw drop. I was prepared to give him a 35-page plan. We were interested. We are interested in doing infrastructure. It's clear the president isn't. But this was not a spontaneous move on the president's part. It was planned. This sounds to me like it was planned by by Nancy and and Chuck. That you know that they had this all put. To, when did they put this thirty five page plan together? You know, Nancy made a comment in her speech. Goes, we were up till till the wee hours of the morning getting this ready. Bull. Yeah, she was up to the wee hours of the morning putting more plastic in her face. Which, by the way, there's more there than there is in all of Legoland. Just FYI. Uh, yeah, obviously this was a planned move on the Democrat side. They 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 staged this thing weeks probably in advance. There was never going to be a desire to talk about getting anything constructive done. Nor will anything constructive done happen uh, on the on the congressional side for probably the next uh, at least till the election. I would think nothing's going to happen. Yeah, and the, the, and that's the whole idea is they want to keep this this ball rolling and so that there's so that keep the uh the cameras off them and uh and keep the the concern about uh you know what what trump what trump did behind the behind the behind the uh behind the curtain and you know what the reality is what happened was all all the democrats and Happily, I'm hoping this actually all comes out before the election. But uh, Thursday, uh, Nancy kept the crazy train rolling during her weekly press conference. And this is what she said. And while he tried to say it's because I said cover up, we've been saying cover up for a while. I think what really got to him was these court cases and the fact that the House Democratic Caucus is not on a path to impeachment. And that's where he wants us to be. I pray for the president of the United States. I wish that his family or his administration or his staff would have an intervention for the good of the country. I think I think that was completely uncalled for. And I'm really tired of hearing Nancy Pelosi, who in my book, in, in my eyes, is Satan, act like she's a Christian that prays uh, when she's— cl- You know, hey, if you're a Christian and you pray so much— why aren't you why are why aren't you doing something about the abortion laws in California and New York and Virginia and all where they're where they're where they're making it legal to abort li- to to kill live babies at the ninth month? You know, tell tell me tell me where that's Christian. I'm such a Christian and I'm praying for the country and I'm praying for the for the president. Bull. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, she's becoming, by the way, less coherent all the time. I mean, there's some recent speeches of hers where she's just like doesn't sound like she's even a third of the way there. This sounds like early Alzheimer's onset to me. Um, so, and it's funny too, because there was a clip of somebody that apparently took Nancy Pelosi's speech and they slowed it down to make it sound like her drunk. And of course the media came to her defense and said, no, no, this is what the clip really sounded like. And I'm thinking she still sounds drunk. Yeah, she does. And she, <laughs> and she's, she's clearly, uh, she sounds like uh, Mrs. Doubtfire when her teeth are coming out. Uh, she's got to put those things. She's got to use some better poly grip on those things. I know her, her, dentures, her, her dentures are falling out. And if you saw, and if you saw her press conference on Wednesday versus Thursday, you know, 
unplanned versus planned. It looked like she looked like if she was up till the wee hours of the mo- morning, it's because she was getting new Botox shots and uh, and hair dye in her in her hair. She was clearly uh, uh, redone between one and the other, and it was you know it's. Nancy Pelosi could is that the best you guys could do in getting a uh, in getting someone to lead the lead the uh, the Democrat Party, and uh, from what I'm told, from what I'm told, the reason that she leads the party is because her her uh, fundraising ability and her her ties to the uh, to the mafia that are uh, that you know everyone's afraid to vote against her, and uh, she's got so she's got so much. Uh, uh, big money ties in politics and in the uh, in the guys that break your legs. Hey, so anyway, we're uh, we're out of time for uh, part one. We got through uh, almost half of what we were supposed to do in part one, so we're gonna have to talk faster in part two. Hey, uh, stay tuned for five minutes of uh, commercials, traffic, weather, and sports, and we'll be back again with part with more of this. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. Don't talk a lot about uh, real estate or uh, finance on the radio because I think you think it's boring. But you know what? This week, let me tell you something. I've been talking for the last few months about it being a buyer's market and how you guys should get out there and make some offers because it's really slow and the sellers are... uh, are sitting there watching their property sit and it's a good time to make offers. I'm starting to see a shift. You guys that waited till everybody else got on the market. And so wait, hey, wait, wait. now everybody else is waiting for the nice weather to come out. And now I'm going to go, I'm going to go write offers with everybody else. You waited too long. It looks like, uh, it looks like, uh, it's, it's starting to turn again. And I will tell you, I talked to, uh, to Lance Martin at Cole Banker and uh, got some insight that might be helpful if you're out there. They're looking, they're looking at at offers and they're looking at what's the least hassle for the seller. So when you're writing offers, you're writing offers. They're looking for, they're looking at if I got multiple offers, who's not, who's not asking for closing costs. If they don't think, if they don't think an appraisal can come in and you're stacking, you're you're inflating the sales price, stacking your closing costs. They're going, hey, if I got a full price offer that's not asking for closing costs as opposed to over a full price offer, they're going with the over a full price offer asking for closing costs. They're avoiding that. So so look at that. Look at that. You know, termite reports. If you have a house that you really want and you say, hey, you know what? I want a termite report just because it's something. You might consider leaving that off if $1,000 worth of work isn't isn't going uh, to change your mind on this house. Um that's some of the things that sellers are sellers are are turning offers down for. So anyway, uh, you know, if you want some insight on that, and when you because you got to get pre qualified before you uh, go go uh, shop, and you want someone who has a brain that can uh, steer you towards uh, writing offers right, and that can actually get your offer accepted, uh, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. Whether you want to buy a house to uh, live in, buy a house to uh, rent out, vacation home refinance something you have or uh, get some information on that reverse mortgage thing, call me or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding link. Uh, so anyway, with me in the in the studio, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes. Got it right that time, eh? Yes, you did, Ed. Good job, baby. Hey, don't forget, uh, if you hear something that you uh, want to comment on, listener hotline, 
2092. Okay, so we're uh, talking about everything that's going on in this country and uh, leading up to our next subject, all the new subpoenas. New subpoenas, old testimony. The Democrat stunts actually started earlier this week, uh, earlier uh, in the week, beginning uh, with the subpoena of former White House counsel Don McGahn. Why, uh, why McGahn should have to testify about privileged conversations with the president when the Mueller investigation has been over for almost two months, is anyone's guess. I mean, that's why McGahn didn't show up. So Judiciary Committee uh, Chair Jerry Nadler, as I, as I uh, affectionately call the Weeble. The Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. So uh, he declared uh, McGahn... Uh, he declared McGahn had defied congressional subpoena and did uh, and did what Democrats do best these days, make big promises in front of the camera while they're supposed to be working. Mr. McGahn did not appear today because the president prevented it. This committee will hear Mr. McGahn's testimony, even if we have to go to court to secure it. We will hold this president accountable one way or the other. But, you know, a Republican uh, Doug Collins of Georgia had something to say, too, about how Democrats have called everyone involved in the Mueller investigation to testify, except Robert Mueller himself. Hmm. But you know what's interesting to me is that we've subpoenaed the documents. We've subpoenaed that we want underlying documents. We've subpoenaed stuff that we can't get. But you know the one thing that we seem to avoid is Mr. Mueller himself, the one who wrote it. We've asked since April about Mr. Mueller coming. But every time we seem to get close to Mueller, Mueller just gets pushed on a little bit. Just think about that. You wanted the work of the author, but you don't want to talk to the author. He almost reminds me of Trey Gowdy a little bit there. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I say, <laughs> Did you think what, that? What is it? Because I, I love Trey Gowdy, but you know, is it just because Trey Gowdy's from South Carolina? I don't remember. I think. Maybe it's just because maybe just because they're from the South. They kind of talk like. They got that twang. They got, got that kind of drawl, you mm-hmm. know? You know? And speaking of Doug Collins, he might just be one of the new Republican rock stars. Yeah, because he talks like Trey Gowdy, hmm. and he's kind of bold. Collins is the one who released the transcript of former Attorney General Loretta Lynch's closed-door testimony from December. And what she uh, said doesn't look good for the FBI. In her testimony, Lynch accused former FBI Director James Comey of mischaracterizing her statements when, uh, when he alleged under oath that she privately instructed him to call Hillary Clinton email probe a matter instead of investigation. Remember, Comey said under oath that Lynch had pressed him to downplay the significance of the FBI probe into Hillary Clinton's emails. Here's his 2017 testimony. Well, it concerned me because we were at the point where we had refused to confirm the existence, as we typically do, of an investigation for months. And it was getting to a place where that looked silly because the campaigns were talking about interacting with the FBI in the course of our work. The, the Clinton campaign at the time was using all kinds of euphemisms, security review, matters, things like that, for what was going on. We were getting to a place where the Attorney General and I were both going to have to testify and talk publicly about it. And I want to know, was she going to authorize us to confirm we had an investigation? And she said, yes, but don't call it that. Call it a matter. And I said, why would I do that? And she said, just call it a matter. And that's what he did do. Exactly. He called it a matter. And by the way, James Comey's a weird dude. He's just weird. He he comes he comes across when you first hear him as hey, he he's very he's very nonchalant. He he talks very casual like he's telling the truth. But you know, the more you hear him talk, he he's he's like a democrat. He casually he can he can just lie to your face very calm and casual and I have a I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time 
I have a hard time. I I just find it's easier. You don't have to have a great memory if you tell the truth, and you don't have to back yourself up and just easier. Well, just, he would take take his little notes when he was having conversation with the president. He'd put them in his little safe, and then he'd leak him to his friends, and he didn't think anything was wrong with that. You know, you don't want people this weird in places of big power. You just don't, because they can wreak a lot of havoc on innocent people's lives. Yeah, and uh, obviously, obviously, it's obviously it's happening, and it's happened. Uh, Michael Flynn and yep, uh, Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos, and uh, uh, Carter Page, Carter Page, and uh, Banyan, not Banyan, uh, Roger Stone. Yeah, a bunch of them bunch of them you've you 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 could just be my uh my person to back up hey what's what's the next name <laughs> not uh banyan <laughs> who's the one that who's a steve bannon yeah steve banyan yeah okay that's him was i who's the other guy who would i leave out is it steve banyan the one that went the all the all the uh uh, he's in tax jail evasion. Right now. Yeah, yeah. Again, but would any of that have would it, would anybody have targeted him had he not been working with the Trump campaign? That's no. what I want. No, the answer is no. No, no. There's there's a few other people that went down and went down in flames. Maybe not maybe not to jail. They put me in the lineup and let the bright lights shine. There was ten poor dudes like me standing in that line. I knew I was a victim of somebody's evil plan. When the scrunchy looking dude came up and said, Yeah, that's him, man. What's funny is as you as you see this happening, you're starting to see Comey and Clapper and Lynch and everyone. You're starting to see the heat in between them. Like, uh, what's happening? So uh, Comey claimed that uh, that moment, coupled with Lynch's secret airport tarmac meeting with Bill Clinton, led him to question Lynch's bias and hold that famous July 2016 press conference announcing that the probe was just a matter. But in her testimony in December. Lynch said Comey had completely mischaracterized the situation. When, when asked if she had ever told Comey to call the investigation a matter, Lynch responded, quote, I have never instructed a witness as to what to say specifically. Never, never have, never will. I was quite surprised that he characterized it in that way. I expressed the view that it was, in my opinion, too early for us to confirm that we had an investigation. At that point, we were not confirming or denying it. We weren't denying it at all. You know, if I didn't know better, Ed, I swear the rats were starting to point the fingers at each other. And all I can tell anybody listening is just pop yourself a big tub of popcorn and enjoy the, enjoy the show as this starts to unfold. Because all this crap's coming out, Ed. Yep, exactly. It's all coming out. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. Oh yeah. It's gonna be. And the media won't report on it either. So. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna have to be <laughs> spreading the word. Yes. Because we have because there's a lot more voters that don't pay attention then do pay attention and we need to make sure that it, this that it's clear out there and if all you got to do is log on to Facebook and watch people's watch people's reactions watch people make comments on this stuff and it's just asinine it's asinine how many how many stupid people are out there so anyway uh meanwhile the democrat 2020 uh front runner joe biden uh, is on a personal quest to rewrite history with surging job growth in, in April. The economy added uh, 263,000 positions, and the unemployment rate dropped to 3.6%, uh, a 49-year low. It's hard to convince the working-class Americans who voted for Trump in 2016 that they should turn their back on uh, back that they should turn their back on that to vote for Biden. So the strategy this week was to credit Obama for the Trump economy and invent a new word in order to insert himself into the success called Obama-Biden. I know President Trump likes to take credit for the economy and the economic growth 
and the low unemployment numbers. But just look at the facts, not the alternative facts. <laughs> President Trump inherited an economy from Obama-Biden administration that was given to him, just like he inherited everything else in his life. Okay, so let's think about this. Scott, you own a business. I own a business. Yes. Um, the economy's coming back. And and I know you own a bike shop. I own a mortgage company, so we're not we're not we're we're a small little piece of it. But we think like business owners. Um, do you think the economy coming was just coming back anyway, and Trump was just the recipient because he happened to because the election time came? Well, this is the same group that blamed the economy crashing in two thousand eight on Bush, right? That was all Bush's fault. So no, and I've heard this argument before. This isn't the first time I've heard this where they're saying, no, this was just left over from Obama. It was on the way up when Obama left. And and I'm like, you people are delusional. I mean, what did Obama do that would have caused this kind of turnaround? What meanwhile I can and you can name multiple reasons why the things that Trump has done has stimulated the economy. Uh, I mean, we're talking about reducing regulations, reducing taxes, things that empower businesses to do what they do best, empower entrepreneurs, uh, those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, for, for him to take credit for it is ludicrous. I don't think most people buy this. It, it's just almost counterintuitive to believe that, you know, yeah, it was, it was flat under Obama, but then it took off when he left and that was still Obama's you know, it was it was coming up. Well, yeah. it, couldn't, it couldn't go anywhere but up from where it was after <laughs> the crash. So it was coming up, but it was coming up so slow. How come it all of a sudden it, it it went gangbusters when Trump got elected? I mean, you think think about it. Think about this. And I was talking about uh, and I'm talking about what's happening here in the country and what's happening as as uh, Theresa May resigns and, and what's that going to do for interest rates? I was talking about this with one of my borrowers uh, this morning. And uh, unsurety makes the stock market get nervous and it makes the stock market go down, which makes interest rates get better and unsurety. So when when we go to war, all of a sudden the stock market takes take takes a dump and interest rates get sometimes sometimes the interest rate interest rates will typically get better because the stock market goes down. Typically, when we start a war, the the, the rates get bad and the and the uh, and the stock market gets bad too. But let's just talk about stock market. Stock market gets bad, so we go to war, and stock market gets bad because everybody's worried about what's going to happen. Two days later, you start getting the returns. Hey, America, bomb the bomb the hell out of the people. We have no casualties. We're 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 destroying the other, the enemy, and all the things come back, and all of a sudden the stock market goes crazy. So what happened? Trump gets elected. Hey, there's unsurety at first because everybody on CNN and PMS NBC is going, oh my God, ah, it's the end of the world. And the stock market took a dump all at first, right at the November 9th in the morning, it went way down. And then they started thinking about it. And a couple hours later, it started rallying. And all of a sudden it started rallying and rallying and rallying in the next six, next six months. We had the, the a gigantic run in the, in the, in the actually the next year. I mean, it has, you know, it had a little, little, uh, hiccup in, in 18, but it went crazy. And why did it happen? Because they realized Trump's going to cut taxes. Trump's going to cut regulations and all the, and all the big people that run the, run the corporations say, Hey, you know what? We're going to have incentive to expand our businesses. We have all this cash saved up that we don't want to expand because they're just going to, they're, we're going to expand our businesses and we're not going to get any benefit from it. 
No, hey, if I go spend a billion dollars on my company and I make an extra an extra gazillion dollars, I'm just going to have to pay it to the government. So what's the point of it? I'll just keep the cash in my pocket because what happens if I invest it and I don't get the return? So if I, if I don't get the return, I lose the money. And if I do get the return, I got to give it to the government. All of a sudden, Trump's coming in. Hey, we're going to give you incentives. We're going to cut taxes. Hey, I'm going to invest in my business. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Well, and, and again, when you think about, well, what's the difference? It's a different psychology now because now we're looking more at American jobs, American manufacturing, uh, reducing the uh, the uh, federal uh, corporate tax rate was huge. These are the sorts of things that that in, incentivize an economy, incentivize businesses to expand and, and promote the kind of growth that we've seen. And the idea of, of Obama taking any kind of or Biden taking any kind of credit for this is absolutely ludicrous. And by the way, I don't have a lot of money in stocks. And my advice uh, as somebody that doesn't have a ton of money in stocks, most of my money's in real estate, Ed. Yep, wink, wink. Thank, thank to, thanks to you. Um, so uh, I would say, look, when the stock market takes a big dump, like a thousand points, just go buy a bunch of stocks because it's going to bounce right back up again. If you look at the pattern historically, that's all the market pretty much does. But we're seeing record highs in the stock market, uh, record lows in unemployment. And, and why is that? Again, because you now have a business person running the country. Let's let's point out another thing. Yeah. Other thing, people go, hey, you know, these uh, these uh, tax cuts were just for the rich people. The poor people didn't get any benefit from it. Hey, you know what? The poor people, you know where their benefit was? You know, number one, if you don't pay any taxes, you can't get any benefit from tax cuts. But you know what? The, where the benefit was? You traded your unemployment check for a job. You got raises. You got a job. Your 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 lifestyle's changing. Your 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 income's increasing. It didn't have to come in the form of less taxes. It came in the form of more income. Okay, that's that's where it happened. The economy is happening. People are making more money. That's where it came to everybody. This tax cut tax cuts helped everybody. And the other the other thing that Biden said in there, hey, he in, in he uh inherited the, the the great economy like he inherited everything else. You know, people talk about that he that his dad gave him a million dollar uh. Uh, loan when he started out in the 70s. Well, let's talk about let's talk about what happened in the 90s when he lost all that. He lost a billion dollars uh, that everybody's talking about last week. Okay, so if he was a if he was a billion dollars in the hole, let's just say he started out at zero in the 90s. Let's say say 1990 he started out with zero and he made it to 10 billion by 2000. Let's say 15, 25 years he went from zero to 10 billion. This guy's a smarter businessman than anybody thought he was. That's that's quite a turnaround story, actually. Of course, he's written a book about it, too, The Art of the, the Comeback. Did you read that book? Uh, I, I read The Art of the Deal. Okay. Yeah, I read that one, too. I didn't read The Art of the Comeback. I read, that uh, would be interesting. I read he wrote one called Think Big and Kick Ass. That was a good one. Hmm. And uh, I started to read one that he wrote with Robert Kiyosaki, and it was just kind of boring. Okay. It wasn't. I liked Robert Kiyosaki's books, but this one was just... Mm, it was like why we want you to be rich or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know exactly who wrote it, but it was. Didn't light your fire. It didn't light my fire. All right. Uh, so Biden's also talking about a not so subtle swipe at angry persona of his opponent Bernie Sanders. Some of the really smart folks say Democrats don't want to hear about unity. They say Democrats are so angry that the anger a candidate can be, the better chance he or she has to win the Democratic nomination. Well, I don't believe it. I really don't. The Democrats, I believe Democrats want to unify this nation. That's what our party's always been about. That's what it's always been about, unity. 
I don't know if this clown's going to be the nominee yet. I mean, really, the more he talks, and this clip didn't really exemplify that like some of the ones. I've heard some clips of him, and he sounds really, really stupid. Yeah, and I is. can't imagine him on a stage with Trump. That's just going to be ugly. So I don't, I don't know if this guy's even going to get it. I mean, he may be the front runner, but because he comes across as maybe less extreme than all the other knuckleheads that are in this field. But well, I don't if, know, man. Well, if you remember, this time in 2012, the front runner was in the Republican Party it was, was Giuliani. Oh, okay. I thought it maybe it was Jeb. In, in 12. Okay, okay. No, maybe that was 08. 08. Okay. Was Giuliani. And then in... Uh, Jeb... Was Jeb the front runner in... He was. At this in time. In 16? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thought it was going to be Jeb. And, uh, of course... Uh, yeah. <laughs> we know how that turned out. And then <laughs> in, in 08, it was Hillary. And then it ended up being Obama. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 16, it was Hillary in the Democrat Party. Oh, wait, was Hillary, huh? Yeah. And, huh. <laughs> you already forget it. Even though, uh, even though Bernie was winning all the, winning all the, mm, uh, go figure. Primaries, go figure. <clears throat> somehow that got turned around. <laughs> I don't know. There's something, something weird. So, uh, one more piece of history about open borders. So here's, here's Joe Biden has to, has to not only run against Bernie Sanders and the other 22 people running, um, but he also has to run against himself. So, and here's two things, two things you got to listen to what B- Biden says, but also listen to how much more coherent he sounds and here. Biden, here's a uh, Biden uh, liberals have forgotten about this. Uh, what he said about sanctuary cities last time he ran for president in 2007. Listen, listen to Biden, what he says about sanctuary cities and listen to listen to just the difference in coherence. Would you allow these cities to ignore the federal law? The reason the cities ignore the federal law is the fact that there is no funding at the federal level to provide for the kind of enforcement at the federal level you need. Part of the problem is you have to have a federal government that can enforce laws. This administration has been fundamentally derelict in not funding any of the requirements that are needed to even enforce the existing law. Yes or no, would you allow the cities to ignore the federal law? No. Well, seems like a straightforward answer. Seems like uh, seems like he's gonna have a hard time living that down, huh? Well, at least Obama and Biden secured the border while they were in office, though, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they promised to. Mm. We could play some. We could play some clips of Obama saying that, "Hey, you, we can't. We have to secure the border. Can't. We just can't sustain this." Mm. Well, and we could probably play some clips of Bush saying that too, and Clinton. Yep. And the other Bush. Yep. And uh, Reagan. Reagan. Uh, Reagan screwed the whole thing up good. Reagan let everybody. Uh, you know what? Uh, I liked Newt Gingrich in uh, 2008 election when he was running. And uh, I thought Newt Gingrich would have made a great president. I uh, still think he would have made a great president. Um, Newt Gingrich said, said, hey, you know what? When I'm elected president, give me one year. I'm not going to talk about uh, immigration reform until the till the border's sealed because we can't talk about it until the border's sealed. And we seal the border, and then we talk about it. And that's the one mistake uh, Reagan made. And uh, and that was a big one, Ed. It, yeah, it's a, a very big one. So while we're talking about funding of federal uh, of federal uh, uh, immigration laws, um, and this was this was a big thing on social media on Facebook uh, last week. Here's a story of our local listeners, the Inland Empire. Uh, have been talking about um, migrant caravans are being dropped off in your neighborhood, hundreds, hundreds, as a matter of fact. Uh, There's no exaggeration or hoax over the past week. Buses of Central American immigrants, supposedly all of them non-criminal family units, processed by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, have been driving driving from El Centro Border Patrol Station. I saw actually some stuff from being flown from Texas on planes, to California. Thanks, Texas. Yeah, exactly. So they're being they're being flown 
because they don't have the resources. They don't have any place to put these people. Um, so they're being they're being flooded. So these people are being driven from El Centro. So they got to El Centro somehow. Some of them are some of them came across the border there. Some of them are probably being flown from Texas uh, in Imperial County to uh, the Greyhound bus station at West Sixth and North G Streets in San Bernardino, where they're being helped by various Catholic churches and a group of Inland Coalition for Immigrant Justice. Here's more from Fox's Trace Gallagher. Tucker, in the past seven months, ending in April, the Border Patrol in just the El Centro sector has apprehended 293,000 migrants. That's a 400% increase from a year earlier. And because housing facilities are overflowing and because of legal limits on how long migrant children can be held, border agents are now loading migrants into vans and buses and driving them 150 miles away to a Greyhound bus station in San Bernardino. We saw the drop-offs firsthand in San Bernardino last week. The migrants are released pending court dates, but of course the vast majority never show up for court. Yeah, and for my friends in Riverside County, uh, you're only slightly more fortunate because your neighbors in Marietta are taking a stand. They did this a couple years back too. Um, they took a stand. Uh, so luckily they're they're more prepared in Marietta. But that hasn't stopped the government from trying to dump migrants here, there too. Meantime, about 30 miles from San Bernardino, an unknown number of migrants were flown to the Border Patrol facility in Marietta, California. But some members of the community were quick to stand in front of the Border Patrol gates to let the migrants know they were not welcome to stay. Marietta residents say they heard the migrants would eventually be dropped off at strip malls and bus stations, but the Marietta police now say none of the migrants are being released, though it is very unclear where they will go next. Yeah, they're not going to stay in that bus forever. No, this is a massive, massive problem. And the big question is, what can be done about this? How do you deport all these people once we realize they're not supposed to be here, they don't have a real claim for asylum? How do we get them out of here? And how do we stop this from keep from, to, from continuing? There's really no no answer to this without building the wall. Yep. And, uh, of course, the Democrats, There's no, I don't really have a, there's really no clear answer as to, why the Democrats are fighting against Trump on this, but they fight against him everything. Hey, we're all out of time for this episode of The Main Event. Scott, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, and Ed. all the rest of you, thanks for listening to The Main Event. My name's Ed Hoffman. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 184172, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.